MCH Photography Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of MCH Photography Podcast where I talk to sports photographers from all around the world. For those who have not heard any episode yet, my name is Marian Hitka and I'm myself a sports photographer mainly shooting motorsports and as I can't currently travel and shoot the events, I have decided to make some interviews with other photographers in the industry to try to give you a bit of inside knowledge from those who have been successfully in the business for years to help you out with getting better in sports photography, reaching the clients, building a brand. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. As I've already mentioned, I'm myself a motorsports photographer, but it does not mean the interviews are only about motorsports and with only motorsports photographers, even though it will be today. But I'm trying to, to mix it up with some other sports as well. Uh, so I do two interviews a week. One is in Czech, as I'm from Czech Republic, and one is in English. The interviews are running live on my Instagram account, so I'm a little bit sorry, but the audio quality might not be the very best because of that. But on the other hand, it allows us to, to have better interaction with people who can actually ask some questions as well. So if you want to join the interviews live and maybe ask some questions for yourself as well, uh, the English one is on every Thursday from 7pm Central European time. And as I mentioned, it's on my Instagram account, which is mchphoto.cz. Uh, today I will be talking to my colleague from motorsports photography industry, to Jamie Price, who is based in North Carolina in the US. So Jamie has been in the business for about 10-11 years, shooting all the major motorsports events in the US, but also covering some races of F1 all around the world. He was recently named as a motorsport photographer by the National Motorsport Press Association. And there's a um, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about, but it's just like from his beginnings about his workflow at the events, how he promotes himself, and a lot lot of other stuff. So let's go and enjoy it. Hello, hello. Do you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Are oh, good? Okay, perfect. Is that I had some issues in the past, but uh, but it should be okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, no, I finally got some shootings, uh, well, Friday and Saturday, so, and, uh, shootings like outside and shooting some action. So nice. Finally, at least something, uh, it's, what about uh, you? Kind of the same thing. I've got a couple various little things that I've started doing around my hometown, but, um, yeah, there's not a lot of, not a lot happening. It's kind of hard to go from you know, being gone every single weekend or every other weekend to being home all the time, which is, it, it's great, but it's just an adjustment. <laughs> yeah, no, but I know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm not really used to be that much at home. I, I guess like last, I don't know, eight, seven years, I've never been two months in a row at home, not S- even same. a month, I would say. Same, so it's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably nice, been... But it's just enough. <laughs> it's probably been since 2013 for me that I've been home this long consecutively. So yeah, seven yeah. years or so. Yeah, it's it's a little bit frustrating, and uh, I hope I hope there's something to shoot in 2020. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm just gonna start with the interview. It's gonna. Because it's gonna last for for an hour, then it shut shut down automatically after one hour. Yeah. But 
we can always then continue because like usually it takes but around one hour but then there are some questions from from the people who are watching it so and i usually get into it in in the other part which is usually like 20 minutes but just let's see how fast you can get through it and then uh but i'm just just saying if it shuts down after an hour yeah. that was not yeah. me but <laughs> I, yeah i've had i've had issues with instagram before where it it kills it after an hour yeah okay but but you can normally start it right after this, so it should be okay. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Okay, so so if you can introduce yourself. Oh, gosh. You <laughs> um, I'm Jamie Price. I'm sorry, you might, you might be able to hear my son screaming in the background. But, um, <laughs> so I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I'm born and raised in Charlotte, so it's a beautiful part of the world. Um, we're currently in our springtime and it's gorgeous outside, but I uh, have always loved photography. Um, you know, I wasn't a, a great student in school, but I just loved looking at pictures and, and reading magazines. I wasn't really like interested in the articles. I would just watch, I would look at the pictures in the articles instead of reading the articles. And um, I just had like a fascination for it and just thought it was a really interesting thing to to do as a hobby um picked up a camera when i was 21 when i was in college and just started taking pictures of college sports um some of the swimming events that i was competing in i was also a horse racing jockey for a little while so i had a little bit of of stuff that i was personally involved with that i would bring my camera to but just started learning and and shooting lots and lots and lots of different stuff and um and somehow have managed to make this into a full-time career. I don't really know. It's, it's such a crazy, like everybody I talk to and everybody that, that does photography for a living, especially sports photography has done it a different way. It's, it's almost impossible to, to give advice to people to like no. want to do what we do, you know, and you're the same thing. Like, I don't even know sometimes where to begin because nobody could replicate what I've done as a person or an athlete and then also transition that into a photography career so yeah, yeah. how do you end up shooting shooting motorsports um i because i was always a fan of motorsports i just loved the color and the action and noise um i just thought it was a great sport to photograph and honestly it's very similar to what I was doing covering horse racing and they're very similar mm -hmm. sports. Like there's danger, there's movement, color, there's um, it's horse racing is a lot like motorcycle racing where you can see a lot of the elements of, of the rider or the jockey uh, on the horse. Yeah. And I just thought it was really cool, but I didn't really know how to, how to like get my foot in the door with, with motorsports specifically, but I was an intern at um, two newspapers and one of those newspapers, I was like, basically I was given free reign to just kind of find different assignments that I thought would be interesting to cover um, locally. And one of them was a lawnmower race in North Carolina and just thought, you know, that has to be the most interesting thing that I've ever heard of <laughs> in, in the world. And so I went and covered it. Um, they ran like a full page travel section feature like the entire 
like newspaper top to bottom was like pictures. It was like a, a photo essay that I'd done. And um, that was really the first thing that I ever photographed as far as motorsports go and just kind of slowly started building connections, started shooting track day events. Um, you know, there's a couple tracks local to me that would do like, mm -hmm. you know, have people out in McLarens and Ferraris, um, you know, nothing crazy, like complicated. It was just kind of me out there with a camera. And eventually the first credential that I got to photograph anything, um, I emailed an agency based in England when I saw that Kimi Raikkonen was going to be competing in the NASCAR race in Charlotte in 2011. Mm -hmm. And I emailed this agency and I was like, hey, do you guys have anybody covering this? Um, it's relevant to what you are, you know, what you normally cover. It's a world champion. Um, this is his first NASCAR race. And they're like, no, we don't have anybody. We'd love to pay you to do this. And it just worked cool. out really well that I basically just asked if they, if they'd ever um, considered wanting to somebody to cover this and they hadn't. So yeah, that was my first credentialed race and it just kind of slowly, I mean, that was nine years ago. Um, okay. So it's been, it's been a slow build to where I've been able to make this into a full-time profession, but that was kind of my, like the way I got into motorsports. Yeah, so it's more or less the, the same year as I got into motorsports as well. I mean, I, I started to travel a bit, like in 2011. I started to, to cover more events. Uh, but like my first event but was Dakar 2010 because my brother was competing. So it was not really, I didn't do, like, I, it was like really last minute thing. And just the team that he was, he was racing with, like we arranged it and like probably like two weeks before Dakar, which normally it's not possible and i just got right. there and it was, it was more like holiday for me i was not really uh talking about I, I, I was studying that time so uh and i studied law so a completely different thing but just just gone in in there and but probably it was a good thing that it was not like for for work or like compared to what i do right now at the time right because I, I really enjoyed it and it like <laughs> and i really wanted to come back uh rather than if i was doing it in the way that i'm doing it right now i doubt that i would i would ever want to come back if yeah my no experience with that so it was good to enjoy it and then slowly slowly to build it up but but what did you what did you study because you said you started you pick up camera the, like being in college and then you had internship there and there was it was yeah, it, or, I, yeah i i didn't study i still haven't i'm completely self-taught photographer um okay. I studied history and international politics in college, university. Um, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until I started, you know, with photography. And then it just it just hit me like a lightning bolt that this is something that I'm good at. I really mm -hmm. enjoy it. Um, people tell me that they like my pictures, but you know, it was just something that I was just doing for fun. But I didn't know how to make it into a business. But the the history, you know, it. Being, I mean, I've, I've been asked so many times um, that, you know, what, like, should you study photography at university or college or in high school or whatever? And there's so many ways to learn about photography now that, you know, I've done, I've done some sports workshops. I've done one sports workshop over the, um, in my career in 2010, I was just a student 
and I, I loved it and I learned so much, but it was all hands-on like training and you don't have to go to college and study photography to, to be a photographer. You can, you can learn so much just by going on yeah. YouTube, going on Instagram, sure. just, just doing it. Yeah. Me, so the, the most important thing is just to, I can see it from when I look back on my photos back in uh, 2011, even like 13, 15, it's just, there's so much difference and it's just all about like, like right now, I mean, not right now, but usually I would be taking photos like every single week and that, yep. that makes the difference. Like, yep. just more you shoot, you always, you always learn something. So, uh, I feel like I'm going to be rusty at the end of this like lockdown <laughs> period. I mean, we're going to have to go shoot like race cars doing 220 miles an hour. And I'm going to be like, Oh my God, this is, how did I do this? Yeah. Uh, so what, what cameras are you currently using? Um, I shoot Nikon equipment. Uh, I have two D fives, um, a whole range of lenses from 500 millimeter F four all the way down to 14 to 24 millimeter, just a little bit of everything because mm -hmm. it's not, it's not just motorsports that I shoot. I do a lot of magazine work locally. Um, you know, like during this, you know, coronavirus stuff, I've been shooting, uh, home and gardens for a local landscape architect just out. He just says, here's an address to go to. I don't have to be around anybody, mm -hmm. but you need just so many different lenses to be a well-rounded photographer. Like most people don't need a 500 millimeter F4, but you know, when we go back to work, I need a 500 millimeter F4. <laughs> so it's, it's all Nikon equipment. I have one Sigma lens, um, but the rest of it's Nikkor glass. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about you and mirrorless? Have you have you have you tried any Z series? I haven't. I haven't. Um, I it's not that I wouldn't like to. It just doesn't really have as much of a an interest for me right now. You know, I mm -hmm. I don't see anybody doing anything with mirrorless that I can't do with my DSLR. Um, and the D five is just an insanely capable camera with ridiculous dynamic range. Um, and I honestly don't, I like the feel of a, of a big heavy camera, especially when you're panning, it's nice no. to have like, there's, there's like a balance to it. You know what I mean? Like when, uh, when you're shooting like stuff that's moving really fast, you almost need to have something a little bit weighted, um, when you're panning. And if it's so light, like I shot on, on Canon equipment for the, um, Rolex 24 hour test in January. Mm -hmm. And my, my really my negative comment was that their new 400 millimeter is so light that it is, <laughs> it's like a sail. Like when the wind blows, I was all over the place. Like nothing was sharp because it's so light. And they were like, we've never heard that before. And I was like, yeah, you probably wouldn't because <laughs> most guys are shooting, you know, one, 1200th of a second or one eight thousandth of a second shooting footballers or you know soccer players or stuff like that but with with us when you're panning it was actually like somewhat detrimental to have it be that light and i think with the mirrorless glass and mirrorless bodies um you know over like shooting a 24-hour race it would probably be nice to have a little bit of less weight on my back but no. I haven't, I haven't really tried the mirrorless stuff yet. It's not that I'm against it. Um, but I just haven't tried it yet. Have you messed around with it? 
Yeah, but I, I don't I don't have any like by my own. I just always got it from from Nikon to for some for some events, but. I mostly, I did not really shoot like that much action with it, to be honest, but it's just quite handy to, to have it like on a pit lane or like in the boxes and or like in the service, yeah. service park at the yeah. or whatever. So it's just, that's, that's, that's what I find it like really useful for. And like, because it's, uh, and you can always have it like with you. So like, even at, like when we were traveling in Dakar, right. like, uh, you can always keep it with you if there's anything just, you know, when, when you see like in the landscape or, or anything right. while you travel in or something like that. So, yeah, uh, and then I kind of wanted to mess I mean, with for, the travel side. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and like for the portraits and Emmy and stuff during, during the motorsport events, it's, uh, it's really nice. You, you can put it like almost everywhere compared to D5, like, you know, and you can play with it then, uh, like <laughs> yeah. with the display and everything. So you can, you can, right. you can put it up, you can put it on the ground, you can do a lot of stuff. I mean, you can focus anywhere you want, like, so, and, and most importantly, you, you can see the, the exposure right through, which is, which is a good thing. Like when it's like, even like in a, like in a pit lane, it's quite fast usually. And, they go in like from right. the shadow in into the light and you know yep. like the conditions are changing a lot so yeah that's that was good thing definitely uh i'm not i'm not that i'm not really sure about like uh the, the action that much at least not yeah. yet but it's just i didn't want to I didn't want to get to the point that, I, that, that, that I've never shot with, with mirrorless and then I need to change everything from DSLR like, oh. to mirrorless without having tried anything. So, so it's just about slowly trying to get used to it and to see why I can, why I can use it. Uh, and that's it. But otherwise, I, yeah, I love my D5 and D850 and, uh, and waiting for D6 because I, I usually need three cameras <laughs> and, and, and I just change and I just swapped to, to to Nikon last year, so so they, they told me last year it was going to be D6 coming. I was like, okay, so I wait to like to get the third camera. It's going to be D6, and uh, yeah, it's getting a little bit late now. So uh, yeah, yeah just just want to get D6, and probably the fourth camera is going to be the mirrorless, and then then uh, yeah, we'll see. That's but, a good plan, but not yet for no. Uh, so it was just one lens that you should you you should pick up. What which one would it be, or which one do you use most often? If so, my my answer to that would probably be like two parts. If I had to shoot something just for trackside, um, I I love shooting my five hundred millimeter. You know, it just there's a lot you can do with it. It's great for bikes. It's great for cars. Uh -huh. um, but but if I was going to shoot something just, you know, like just to be like portraits and pit lane and, and paddock stuff for the rest of my life, I think I would probably choose the, the 135 millimeter. I just, I love that lens. I think it's a, it's an amazing, it's so sharp. Um, and it's just a cool, it's a cool like focal length too, because, you know, it's not fully like 200 millimeter where you're right in their faces, but it's, there's like so such beautiful bokeh and depth of field. I just, I love using it. Every time I, I shoot on it, I think like, why do I use anything else? Um, and I love the pictures that it, you know, that it makes, but 
yeah, those the the five hundred and the one thirty five are are pretty much always on me when I'm working. <laughs> no, I have the same with the one hundred five. It's probably like my favorite lens to use. I don't use it that much for for the action, but like for for the portraits and everything. Yeah. Just, I've never I've never had better lens than that. I know. I use it. I use it sometimes for the action as well. I mean it. It changes a lot if you get like yeah. down to one point four, even if you are the same same spots. Yeah, two point, it's crazy. Two point eight, two point eight, and one point four makes a huge difference in the photo. It's a huge so, difference, yeah, and especially so when you're shooting at night, it's like yeah. having that ability to go all the way down to one point four or one point eight. Um, it makes a big difference. Big big difference. No. Uh, so, do, so talking about the gear, do you think it, is, it, is it important to have like good good equipment for a sports photographer more than in any other uh, photography like industry? I would say because like people would normally tell you like ah you can shoot good photos with anything like with any camera. It's not about a camera and about a gear, but at least for me, particularly like in sports photography and in motorsports photography, it's it's quite important. Or at least when I compare <coughs> to anything else. Uh, like portrait or anything or landscape, I guess right. you don't need the best equipment and you can still do good photos. But what do you think about sports photography? Yeah, what we do is very challenging. I mean, it's hard on the camera equipment. That's why we both shoot on like the highest end Nikon stuff is no. that, you know, we're both shooting in the middle of the night with no ambient light. Um, and, you know, to be honest, the the answer to that is like yes you can make beautiful pictures on anything i've seen some incredible pictures on iphones i've sold you know i've i've put some of my iphone pictures in galleries for clients because they were just as nice as um what i would make with my dslr but the other side of that is that you know we're out there being paid good money by our clients to be there and to shoot these these events and um, you do need the best equipment because, you know, I'm not just out there for fun. I'm out there working. And, and as part of that, I, I, you know, I'm being asked to do things that most people wouldn't be able to do with a camera and that's why they're paying us to do it. And so you do need the best equipment, but really like where it really comes to, to play is when the light gets challenging in the middle of the night on yeah. pit lane or you know, out in the desert or wherever you find yourself, like that's when, yeah, you're going to need, you're going to need the best that money can buy because that's, that's what your clients are demanding. Like, you know, if, if they wanted to hire somebody that didn't, didn't have that ability or didn't have that equipment, they could probably save themselves a lot of money, but they wouldn't get the pictures in the end. So no. it's for what we do for sports photography, it's very challenging. You do need, you do have to have that, um, that quality equipment. But it's so amazing that now you can, like, like when, when I started shooting digital cameras, digital cameras, the best digital cameras were, or even any digital camera was, was quite expensive. Like for what you were getting, right. it was quite expensive. And now the cost of entry, you know, you can get a Sony or the Nikon Z6 or Z7 pretty inexpensively, and it can do way more than what I started on. So, you know, you still, you still need that like really nice quality equipment to, to work in sports or motorsports. But, um, 
you know, that you, if you were just like a fan, you could have the, not the cheap stuff, but like, you know, something that's a level or two down from, you know, a Nikon D5 or D6, and you're going to make beautiful images. Um, and lenses are, you know, like one of my other favorite lenses is an 85 millimeter, and it is not the expensive 85 millimeter. It's like an F1.8. I think you mm -hmm. can get it for maybe 400 US dollars. And I love that lens. Like, it's not my favorite that I go to all the time, but I use it pretty regularly. And it is, it's not expensive and you could do pretty much anything with it. It's great for paddock, pit lane, trackside. Um, so you don't have to have the most expensive stuff to shoot pictures, but when you are being paid good money like we are by big clients around the world, you know, it would be kind of silly not to, to invest in yourself and have the nice equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what, is, what is your workflow when it comes to, to your motorsport event? You can describe like what, 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 what you do before the event and then like early like doing the event shooting. So how much, how much preparation does it take to, to go to an event that you've never been before? For an event that I've never been before, it's really challenging. Um, you really do need to do your research, do your homework. Um, I've used video games to like study track layouts, to study the location of the sun. Um, I'll look at sun calc on the internet, which is like, you know, it's a website that can show you the location or where the sun will be at any time of day during any time of the year and you can really kind of get a good idea of where it would be nice um, at certain parts of the day but then all of it goes completely out the window when you get there and it's cloudy or gray or it's raining or um, you know there's amazing clouds that you want to go and and try and cover it differently than you anticipated so you know a lot of my preparation is looking at other people's pictures trying to see like you know, areas of a track that might be nice um, mm -hmm. and not to go and copy them, but to just understand what the area of the track might look like. And then once I'm there, I always, I'll walk the track if I can. I mean, obviously the Nordschleife and Lamar are impossible to walk it. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will like, you know, Lamar, I always do a scooter ride around the circuit and we can find new red zones um, or places where we can't go. You just doing talking to people, you know, when I went to the Nordschleife, the 24 hours of Nürburgring last year, I don't know that I would have been able to do that race without all the people that um, were, you know, have so much more experience than I do shooting it. Like, you know, we, we sat down at our desk in the media center in Le Mans the week before, and I was talking with Drew Gibson and a couple other people. And they were pointing to different spots on the track and circling. It's like, this is really nice. And it means nothing to me then. But then I take that piece of paper and I take it out with me when I get to the Nordschleife. And you can like, you can put, you know, something that you right. talked about with other people and all their experience and then kind of put your own spin on it. So it's, ch it's really challenging going to a new place. It's, I, I love it um, because everything is new. You don't have any preconceived uh, ideas of where you should and shouldn't go. You can kind of just go make it up as you as you want to. Whereas some of the other places I go to, like Watkins Glen or Circuit of the Americas, um, Road Atlanta, I've been there so many times, and I've been to every single part of the track that I know. Like, there's no point in going to this spot because there's nothing there. 
but no. when you when you haven't been to a track it's really it's creatively liberating to be able to to just do whatever you want because it doesn't matter you've never been there before and and even if you make a mistake for five minutes and it's not worth being there you can at least say i've tried it yeah i mean i went to to monaco last year for the first time and you can't really plan it properly like no uh to where to go because then you, you probably not be able to get there anyway so and, and it took me a while and then and i just walked with someone who showed me like I mean, how, like to like to go to the tunnel that you need to, and then you you go just inside. You, you go like it's, three, it's three amazing. stairs there and there. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so like I've, I would never find it out. It's like maybe probably I get the end of the of the weekend. So, but I was, I guess that's that, that's like very specific. And then I went to Spa, where it was my first time there as well. And I only I only knew like two days before I was going there because I don't know. It's just for Monaco, it was different. Uh, I had the the accreditation through through the Prince's Palace, so I got it I got it in advance. But then right, but then for Spa, I send it I don't know probably like two months before, and they they only approve it like two days before the event. Wow! And so that's, and, and that's that sounds like so much that that's F one, you know. That's I don't really understand that. It's like. Uh, like and I need, but I really want to go. So and I had another shooting that weekend. So so in like one day, uh, I rescheduled everything, sent someone else to to WRX or whatever. I had two events that that weekend: oh, one God. in Poland, one in France, and this this one was the third one. And then and then also there were so many things to do uh, right after the event. I did not even stay till till the end because I needed to drive uh, to the airport, flew to Berlin, and the next day in the morning. I drove from Berlin to Poland and I and uh, and I shot Alonso testing the testing the Toyota for Dakar for the first time. So wow, I was there for for like three four hours, then got back, drove back to Berlin, flew to Paris, and shot something else the other morning. It was it was crazy. I had no time to to prepare for anything, and in Spa, uh, yeah, it was a little bit complicated. Like it's it's a huge track as well, and to like I would need probably few more days to, to oh, yeah. everything. But, I... but that's but that's where you really, you know, you rely on your instincts to oh. to make pictures because you don't have you don't necessarily have days and days and days and days to prepare for it because you're doing other things. So it's yeah. hard. Uh, and so you mentioned it but it's like so what's what's your mindset about like when you when you get to to the track that you've been several times, you say, do you, do you go to the spot that that you know they are good, or you try to try to find something else uh, and just to shoot something different than than you've done for like two years before? Um, sometimes I will like look back at the pictures that I've done because there's still you know even if it's been done if I did it last year and the year before that and the year before that it's still a nice picture. Um, and the cars change, the weather changes, like, especially if it's raining, some places that I've been before in the, in the sunshine are crap when it's raining. But then when it's yeah. raining, some places that I've been in the sunshine that I think are crap are just absolutely epic. And so it, it really just depends on the weather, but I will go back and do a lot of the stuff that I've done previously. Um, mm -hmm. and just, just kind of like checking the boxes for my clients, just 
you know, I have a nice picture head on, I have a nice picture side on, I have a nice picture rear three quarter, just to make them happy with sponsors. And then I will go use, you know, other parts of the, the test session or practice days, or even the race itself to shoot um, a little bit more creatively because there's more time, um, you know, especially with 24 hour races, like you have all the time in the world to to go screw around and try stuff that's, you know, low, slow, slow shutter speeds. Um, but yeah, I, I end up repeating a lot of what I do, but you end up finding new stuff along the way as well. And, you know, it's just kind of a mix. Yeah, it's always a bit difficult. I don't want to shoot the same thing, but, but on the other hand, it's like, even like some of the clients, they never got these photos. So you probably have right. someone new that the high reaches before, Maybe even that because they they've seen the photos that that you right. took there, and uh, so then you need to like you ended up like doing it uh, even if you didn't want to because it's just it's just something that you, you that you need to do if it's like really like good uh, good sport and then because what they would hire you and then it's like ah oh, I've shot it like two years before so you have some some uh, different stuff in here but then they would see it from the other photographers so yeah they're like we we want that like we want yeah. whatever you did last year it's like all right fine <laughs> yeah so it's always like like difficult I've, I've probably if it was only on me i would try to do like different stuff but then but then some 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 places that you that you need to do, like typical for for that event so kind of like you have to tell stories I mean at the end no. of the day we're not like I, there's there's ways that I would shoot a race just if I was just there for myself having fun yeah, exactly yeah. but at the end of the day if the client wants it you got to do it <laughs> yeah I mean it's, a, it's the same like it's tough like I would do probably like completely different stuff if I was going there just you know just by myself enjoying it uh, I, I still enjoy it. Like it's, it's still the best event I do. And if I was not having fun, I would not do it. But uh, at least not like nine times. So, uh, but if, still, if I was going there just by myself, I would probably shoot like a lot more landscape stuff with like really small, small cars and like play yeah. around, play around with, with probably some panning. And, and everything like a lot more but the thing is like if you need to if you need to shoot like at the jackout this year we shot like 55 clients every day and you have that's one a, chance per lot. day <laughs> and you have one chance per day so it's like always like a big compromise like because i know i can probably take take uh, better photos and it's like and the whole thing would look completely different if, if i needed to shoot I don't know, probably like 50 photos from the whole Dakar. And then, and uh, if I was like not bothered about who I need to shoot, because it's also like huge difference. If you need to shoot the first bike that is coming through and you need to play safe, uh, then to just shoot anyone and you, you have the first time to try it on. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's usually not, not the case. So, uh, no, never is. Yeah, but then people would look and think, oh, why did you... Why, why you didn't do it in this way? Yeah, because probably you would know if, if it was not working out. It's like I, I I always try to move around a lot to not do yeah. different shots, but still it's about 
playing safe somehow and try to try to get a nice shot and uh, because it, and and the thing is like you, you can do a lot of stuff at F1 or MotoGP or, or whatever because you see them lap like, after when I was, lap. When I was in Monaco, uh, I did not shoot like the last 25 laps or something or 30 laps because I didn't know what what else to shoot. Like uh, I mean, I could have probably gone like somewhere like at the other end of the track, but there was no time for that. But it's like, at the point, like then I was like, okay, it's, it was still getting the same. Uh, Lewis was still leading and it was like the same thing all, all over again. Yeah. I have enough. And, and, I, I, and, I it, and it takes like 20 laps to walk back to the, yeah. the, the podium area. So, <laughs> no. you know, it's hard. Uh, what is your usual settings that you shoot is it, is it all manual, uh, all your patients, or is it anything that, like, any other settings if, that you use? If I'm trackside, it's usually manual, um, because I can, you know, things aren't changing that quickly trackside usually, like, unless it's, unless it's like a crazy cloudy day where you get, like, light pockets kind of beaming through, um, and you need, like, to be able to nail it when that light pocket comes through. But I'm usually I'm usually shooting manual trackside, in the garage, uh, paddock area. It's it's hard because you're going from really really bright, like yeah. you know where they might be outside, or there's a huge beam of light coming in the garage or the tent or wherever they are. Um, but then like they move six inches that way, and it's completely cloudy, and you and it's all happening so fast. So with that kind of yeah. stuff, I end up shooting aperture priority usually um mm -hmm. so it's you know it's very challenging to decide like what setting you need to be in when you're in a, some where where the situation is changing that much um yeah. but trackside it's usually manual because it doesn't change like especially if it's just cloudy and boring um you can kind of keep it keep it in the same settings and it's going to look the same all day yeah uh, how many photos do you usually shoot during the during the, during the race day, and how many would you end up to, like choosing at the end of the day? I know it's different, like at, uh, at the events, but if you, if you shoot just one day at, or like the race at F one, or if you shoot twenty four hours uh, event, yeah. Right? So maybe like and in average, or maybe like percentage shot you shots you shot and shots that you you choose at the end. Um. For like, let's just say for sports cars, like over a 24 hour race, I'm probably shooting between um, like eight and 10,000 pictures per day. So over two days, it's probably closer to 20,000, like 15 to okay. 20,000. But it, it's like, I've had 24 hour races where I've shot, you know, 8,000 pictures over the course of two days because the light was so crap. Like and the race was boring. There just wasn't anything happening. Um, you know, and then you get like this year at Daytona for the 24 hour, we had two sunsets or a, a sunset and a sunrise. It was beautiful light all day. Um, it really wasn't, you know, something that I really needed to be like that, that conservative with my photography. Like I could just shoot all day and it was beautiful and you can mm -hmm. go to different locations and you can get so much. And I had so many clients that I'm having to just shoot everything that goes by. Um, and then when you get to like an F1 race, 
you know, some races are great where I might shoot four or 5,000 pictures on, on race day. Um, but then you go to somewhere like the Chinese Grand Prix where it's crap and the track is crap and the race is crap. <laughs> and you might shoot like 2,000 pictures all day and the best pictures are from the driver's parade and all the track stuff sucks. Um, so it's probably an average. If I really had to average it out, it'd probably be three to 4,000 pictures mm -hmm. um, per, per race day. Um, but so much of it is a variable on weather, clients. No, shit. Yeah, it's hard. And I think probably from that, I would say that there's probably a 10% keep rate on stuff that I really uh, I really use regularly. Like I would save it and, and edit it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're panning and you get and you shoot a, a burst of 15 pictures, oh. one of them is the right one. And, you know, so it's it's probably 10 percent when you boil it down that I end up editing that picture mm -hmm. and keeping it. And no, James, I do not like going to Chinese <laughs> Grand Prix. <laughs> he, he's he's uh, I've been working with with James on a project and I've been sending him all my raw files. Um, basically creating moving pictures out of out of all of the the stuff that I've shot at Lamar this past year and um, there's a lot of crap in there as he would probably tell you so it's it's <laughs> maybe maybe less than 10% for some races <laughs> uh, when it comes to post process like what is your workflow or like do you like at the end of the day you just, you just select first and edit those do you edit like do you edit photos like one by one or these any presets on it or yeah do don't i don't use a lot of presets a lot of it um i treat individually as each picture you know is is its own thing um and it depends on the light it depends on on what i'm where i am on track um but you know if, if i'm like blasting through pictures editing them you know, if it's if I haven't moved at all and the light hasn't changed at all, then I'll just kind of copy and paste. I don't use Photoshop at all. It's all Lightroom. Um, yeah. I don't do a ton of editing to the images. It's just a little bit of contrast bump, um, maybe like exposure. I'm not taking anything out of the picture. It's there's nothing crazy to it. It's all stuff you can do in Lightroom. Um, so and and honestly, like. So for, for Toyota, when I'm working with James Moy at Le Mans, um, we are shooting pictures that have to be delivered regularly throughout the 24 hours of Le Mans. So you don't have time to edit those pictures a lot. Like there's not a lot of rainbows and unicorns being added to these pictures. It's all generally stuff that if it didn't pretty much happen in the camera, I'm not giving it to them because I don't have time to deal with it. You know, we're giving them pictures probably every every two hours, um, and that includes being out on track and then editing those pictures. So we'll set, and we have the ability to send them live pictures from the back of the camera too. Mm -hmm. So we'll we tell them like, don't just throw up the picture as as it came to you because we are shooting in raw generally. Um, but like for that, I'll, I'll shoot. I'll send a, a low res JPEG preview, um, and the the pictures are. You know, we'll we'll just tell them like just give it a little filter and Instagram and and then throw it online. But there's not a lot of editing that that is done because our clients need pictures really quickly. Yeah, it's the same with me. I ended up like probably especially data like forty seconds 
for a picture if it's more and yeah just just make it look like how you wanted uh, it to to look in the camera yeah. and, and max, send it a maximum is probably like one minute if, it, yeah. if i'm if i like catch myself to more than one minute then then i know i'm a little bit tired and i sleep for like 10 minutes and then start it <laughs> all over so, uh by the way at some other events i probably spend a little bit more time right if i have it it's it's all about if you have the time but like when when I went to Le Mans, we, we need to deliver like during the, uh, during the event as well. So but it was two of us, so, so it, was, it was quite okay. Or at least uh, we didn't need to deliver that much, but it's like I wanted to because I didn't want to end up like in like shooting the like all 24 hours and then ending up with like thousands of photos and then and do it for, for like two days or something. I just, I always want to, even for myself, even if the clients, don't want to I just right after the event I just want to have everything edited and sent and not to spend any other like day after after the event because I usually travel for, for another one so uh, yeah it's, it's hard there's, like you there's don't no have time to, anyway like no there's there's no time to to put a lot of work into the pictures you have to really make sure that they're pretty decent straight out of the camera <laughs> i was just like people like like you say okay yeah but you don't need to you take your time you you, you can you can send it next to you so no yeah I, I don't have time for this anyway so there's even uh, in a 24-hour race there's there's so little time to do yeah. what you need to do like i i wish that like i've heard stories from people back in the day um about shooting film in formula one and lamar and they'd they'd edit pick or they they would shoot the pictures deliver a roll of film and they would like, you know, if, if Michael Schumacher crashed in testing, they would all just like leave because nothing else mattered. They would just, they would, they would no. go to the bar, they would go to the pool. Um, it was like kind of how the drivers do it. Like if they're not in the car driving, like they're like, they're done. And that's how I almost wish it was like that a little bit still where, you know, now it's, we live in a 24 hour news cycle world, even with no racing happening, there's still people that need pictures of car racing and you know, there's no rest from it. Even when you're working, you just, every, it never ends. And I kind of wish oh. it would, was almost back to the way it was where, you know, you had, you know, you deliver 36 pictures from, uh, from a race and that was it. <laughs> and you got paid really, really well for those 36 pictures. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just reading some of the comments. Do you shoot only in RAW? Yeah, I yeah, do. I, yeah, I do too. Uh, okay, when it comes to to panning, how low do you, can you go with the shutter speed? I know it's 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 all about like how fast the car is, like the angle, how far you you from the track, but it's like, what is, or like what what's panning for you? Which speed does it start with, and which which is the lowest one that you you would go to? And is there any any rules that you apply on it? Like, uh, I mean, like what what should be sharp or on the shot? Like that you would choose? Yeah, um, I usually start with panning. I'll I'll start at like maybe a sixtieth of a second um, because above that, like unless you have a specific brief from the client that like we need every single part of the car to be sharp so we can see all the sponsors. Um, you know, unless I'm really like,
needing to nail something pretty boring, I'll start at 160th and then work down to like uh, a 15th or a 20th. But then when you get to nighttime, you can really do some amazing stuff with really slow shutter speeds, like a second, um, half a second. You know, I'm actually not even that good at it. People like Camden Thrasher and James Leeds, they're the, the masters at really slow shutter speed stuff. Um, but a lot of them, when it comes to sharpness, it depends on what series you're shooting too. Because I see a lot of pictures on Instagram or people uploading to the internet and you know if it's if it's not the the side of the car like actually let me see if i can grab this so if this is if this is our pretend car with sports cars like this is the spot that i'm i'm aiming for to be sharp because if it's sharp back here but not anywhere else it's kind of useless for me um, and, and pretty useless for the client too. If it's more of a head on angle, then I'll aim right for the, this, the emblem or yeah. whatever car it is. Um, but then when you, when you start talking about, you know, open wheel cars, formula one, Indy car, stuff like that, it, it has to be the helmet and pretty much nothing else. Because when we have, so I, I was once working for an agency that I was fired from because they said that I didn't get enough pictures sharp on the helmet. And that was a long time ago, mm -hmm. but the pictures, if they would, he would complain and say the pictures, um, the pictures need to be sharp on the helmet and nothing else. And it didn't, if it was a side pod, he didn't care. It had to be the helmet. So with the halo on the, on the new F1 cars, it's changed a lot that, you know, we, it's kind of, it, you can't necessarily see the helmet as clearly as you could you yeah. know, three, four, five, eight years ago when I started shooting F1. Um, now it's, it's more like sports car rules where you, if you nail the side of the car you know, right on the number plate, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and if you get the helmet, even better. But yeah, it's, with sports cars, it's a lot easier because you know, as I'm panning, I'll just follow that number with my eye as it goes past. Um, and and depending on the shutter speed, you can get a lot of keepers out of that. But no. for me, it's it's either the, the front emblem or the number plate, and there's not a lot else that I will consider sharp. Cool. Uh, when you look back on your photos from, like, when you started uh, your career, or even, like, five years ago, maybe, how many of them would you, would you use today? Are you still, like, happy with that, or...? So I've actually, with, with all this like downtime, I've been going back through a lot of my old pictures from, you know, the beginning of my career. And the thing that like is slightly annoying is that it's not that the pictures are bad, but I just didn't shoot enough of as, I would go to a corner and shoot like a lap or two and then just call it a day and move to the next corner. And I wouldn't nail, like if, if it was, you know, a particular car leading, I wouldn't make sure that I had a picture of that car sharp. I would just be like, okay, it came by. I think I probably got one and then just leave. And I think that's probably the thing that I've, I've really realized in looking back at the pictures that I have is it's not that they're, you know, the composition is boring or anything like that. It's just, I didn't do enough. Um, I didn't do enough as a photographer to just make sure that I had done my job and covered a lot of what I needed to cover. Mm -hmm. So it, my style has changed a little bit. Um, 
but at, at, at the same time, it really hasn't changed at all, where I'm still doing a lot of the same slow shutter speed pans. Um, you know, it's all about clean, clean backgrounds, clean foregrounds, leading lines, and, mm -hmm. and just trying to make sure that I've, I've done my job. But I think it was probably more a case of, you know, if I was shooting, if I'm shooting like three to 4,000 pictures a day now, it was probably like 800 to 1,000 pictures back then, which, so now I'm shooting four times more than I was then. And, and now the, the quality and the consistency has gone up for sure. Do you usually shoot like everyone if you, if you cover the event or like only the, like the clients that you need to, or? Um, it depends on, it depends on the race. I think like races like this past year at Daytona, um, I was, I was just really busy with too many clients. So I was mainly focusing on them, but I still do everything editorially as well. So I mm -hmm. do have a, quite a few clients that will email me and say, Hey, we need pictures of, of such and such car winning. Do you have it? Um, and so I do shoot everything that goes by me on track. I just don't have anything really from pit lane or the paddock or driver interviews, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I do, I do shoot everything as much as I can because I think it's, it's very good to have. I mean, we're living in an amazing, or we were before this. We were living in an amazing time, where um, there was a lot of manufacturers, there's a lot of teams, a lot of a lot of sponsor money. When when we come out of of coronavirus world, I really don't know what it's going to look like. I think there's going to be fewer manufacturers involved. Um, we're kind of we were living in a a golden age of, of racing, one that we hadn't seen for maybe a couple decades um, since the 80s, you know, 90s, where you have this many manufacturers involved in, in racing of, of various levels and multiple levels. So I wanted to cover that in a way that, you know, these are historically important pictures because, you know, Porsche winning Le Mans in 2015 and 16 and 17 and 18 or 2017, I guess. Um, it's it's important. So to have those pictures, I do try and cover it for for my my own sake that I have pictures from that event. Um, you know, I have pictures from almost the entirety of the Ford GT Le Mans project uh, that started in 2016, and I think that those are, you know, eventually we'll look back on that on this period as as being important for sports car racing. Was there any moment in your career that you consider as like breakthrough for you in photography? And I was like, possible photo or even shoot, I don't know, winning a contest or anything that did you get like known a little bit more and like you get more clients to, to get to you and you say, um, okay, from now I can I can make this living. Yeah, I think I think when I started working for Lamborghini on their racing on their Squadra Corsa racing program, um, mm -hmm. that that's really been a relationship that I've I've put a lot of value in. But it's also been a really good relationship mutually, where I've I've had a ton of work out of it, um, and and an, like work from all over the board. Like it's not just Lamborghini related stuff. A lot of my Lamborghini related clients have then taken me on to do. NASCAR and uh, like Supercross and and dirt bike racing, um, you know, there's just so much that's come out of that that relationship that I've built with Lamborghini. 
-hmm. that I would say probably when I joined, like I remember vividly getting the call saying that, you know, they wanted me to be the series photographer for Lamborghini Super Trofeo. And it was one of the best days of my life to date and, um, and something that I'm very proud of. And it's been, they've been a great client. It's good money. Um, but I've also made a lot of friends out of it and a lot of clients. So I think that would probably be what I would consider as like the, the defining moment when I like said, this is something that I can do for a living. Okay. Have you ever got to more men that you wanted to like, give up on photography and do something else? Um, no, I mean, I, I love it. I, I really do. Like I love, I love racing. I love cars. There was never really a time where I said, I think I would be better at this. Even if it, even if it means more money, um, I could probably go sell just about anything that, you know, people wanted to sell. Um, I just have a, a pretty good like business background and, um, but it, even even though that like the money might be better in some other walks of life or other businesses, I I think that being a self-employed photographer is one of the best ways to make a living in the world because I I tell myself where I want to go, what I want to go shoot. I dictate my yeah. own prices. It doesn't get a lot better than that. Like when I'm when I'm traveling, it's it's really hard work. But when I'm not traveling, I can spend time with my family. I can go fly fishing on a Tuesday if I feel like it. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Sure. Uh, what was the most difficult shoot you, you've done? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think Pike's Peak is probably one of the most challenging physically. It's it's a it's a hard one. I haven't ever done Dakar. I would love to do it one day. Um, you know, I'm. I think that. This past year when I did the 24 hours of Le Mans back to back with the 24 hours of Nürburgring, that was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do because physically I was just so burned out by the, by the time that, that second 24 hour race ended, I was just completely fried. And um, June last year was, was pretty tough. It was, that was hard, but there haven't really been too many, too many shoots where I felt like I'm just not in like I'm not comfortable covering this. This is out of my wheelhouse. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you know, as a as a photographer, we can pretty much if you're if you're a decent photographer and you understand how the camera works and you understand light and you understand you know composition, you can apply it to real estate. You can apply it to travel. You can apply it to fashion. You can apply it to food, um, cars any sport that that can be played i think there's a lot of you know a lot to be said for just being a good well-rounded photographer so i haven't ever felt too out of out of my own depth like just with a, an assignment but it really comes down to more like physically and emotionally and mentally like how do i survive this and and not just give up creatively or just kind of throw in the towel and just um and just yeah. Yeah, so, so the question was, if you ever, if you ever considered to shoot MotoGP or any motorcycle races? I love motorcycle racing. I do not get to shoot enough of it. I would love to do more. Um, I've shot one MotoGP race. It was Mark Marquez's first MotoGP victory um, <laughs> back in 2013. 
which is a pretty cool one to have been there for because now he's, you know, one of the most successful riders ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's one thing that I've, I've very much enjoyed when I have had the time to do it, but it's honestly not something that I get asked to do a, a lot. I just don't have clients that need me to, to go shoot motorcycle racing. Um, I'm more known in the, the automotive and car world um, mm -hmm. and car racing world. It's not to say that I, I haven't tried to dip my toes into motorcycle racing, but it's, it's hard because there's a, there's people that do it and are very, very good at it um, and are very established. And it's hard to, it's hard to, to kind of get in that door, but at the same time, yeah. you kind of have to choose. Like we, there's only so many weekends in a year. I'm very busy with, with the Lamborghini stuff, with IMSA sports cars, with the other, you know, couple F1 races that I do a year. Mm -hmm. So there's not, there's just not that much time for me to go play with the motorcycles, but I have done a lot of it and I do enjoy it immensely. It's the best. Uh, what is your favorite event to cover? Um, probably Sebring 12 hours or the 24 hours of Nürburgring. It's just absolutely insane like the atmosphere when you get great weather it's just so much fun um the norch life is probably the best track in the world to shoot there's there's so much elevation trees you know you get weather and you get when it's nice and sunny it's beautiful there you really there's not a lot else that you can really ask for as a photographer other than you know having a track like that to shoot at is there anything that you would like to shoot in the future? An event? Uh, I would. I would love to shoot the um, like the Italian Grand Prix for MotoGP. I've done. I've done Monza many times, um, but I would love to shoot more MotoGP races. I would love to do Dakar. I would love to shoot Rallycross. Um, you know, World Rally Championship. You know the the Monaco uh, or Monte Carlo rally. Whoops, sorry. Um, yeah, Mont like any anything would be a lot of fun. Baja. There's a lot of stuff on still on my bucket list, but I think probably the top of my bucket list would still be the Isle of Man TT. Uh, looks <laughs> looks pretty gnarly, and you know I, I actually have a a. Um, a client that basically said, whenever you want to go do it, we'll pay you to go do it. But the problem is, is it's always at the end of May and the end of May is traditionally really busy with sports car racing and car racing in general. So it's hard to just say, all right, I'm going to skip all that stuff and go shoot the, the Isle of Man. Yeah. I always wanted to do it as well. I did it last year, but it was like, uh, they asked me in Munster, it's like, if there's anything that I want to do. And and Monster, Monster is a sponsor of the whole event. So I said, okay, so probably I love NTT. And so, and then there were like, there were a few events that I wanted to go. It was Monaco F1, I love NTT and Le Mans 24 hours. And I did it in three weeks in a row because it was like, it's like I went from Monaco to- That's amazing. To I love men, then, and then from I love men to Le Mans and all of them just did it for the first time. So yeah. It's good, good three weeks. I was about to That's happen really again. That's really cool. It was about to happen again this year. Just about 
just about nope. time right now, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, like yeah. the, the Monaco should be in what, like in two weeks, I guess, normally. Yeah. I, I was supposed yeah. to be at the Indy 500 this year again, um, and yeah, the Indy 500 Canada um, is on the same weekend as Le Mans this year, or was going to be, so I was going to do the Indy 500 and then do the, an IMSA race and then um, Le Mans, but yep, I'm going to be home for the next two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but then, and the TT was, was, was really cool, but it was just... It's, and I guess it's always, always like that. But particularly last year, it was really difficult with the weather. Like because I, I went there. Yeah. I was supposed to be there just for one day, like of, of the of the practice week, and then she she the racing week. But when I arrived there, I was like Friday, I think. So they they only race like they only did like one day of practice for the whole week. Right. And yeah. and I was there for another like four days, and there was nothing happening at all. But the thing is, like. It's not like the day we, they would call it off uh, at the beginning of the day. So you just spend the whole day sitting there because it's like, okay, it's postponed to, to 10, to 12. And then uh, like at what, like six or seven, they would say, okay, so uh, tomorrow. And then so it's just like, you can't do anything. And you just yeah. sit there for for the whole day. And <laughs> it's also Drinking. the weather. <laughs> yeah, the weather is changing a lot. Yeah, and and also you need to go out. You, you need to go out to to the track, and they would not say if it's cancelled, it's postponed before you go because you need to go. Like they they, they normally, I know they close it like two hours two hours before something like that. So you go out, then you stay there, and then one hour before you say okay, it's possible another hour. So yeah, it was it was difficult, but when whenever some breaks in, it was really cool. And it was also it was not that much of of phrasing, obviously because I needed to to put everything in in a few days so they they cut a lot of the a lot of the lap times as well so and some of the categories as well but otherwise yeah, it was really cool I think it would be frustrating because I'm used to like lots and lots of chances to shoot a car going around like yeah. you know for for Le Mans, there's like 10 hours of practice or something before you uh, get to the 24 hour race. So, you know, for, for me doing car racing, I think that I would, I would be somewhat frustrated by how little practice time there is. Like, you know, it's a, it's a 35 mile lap. So, you know, they're only going to do two, maybe three laps or whatever that they do. Like there's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I get, Back to some some other questions. So so you're freelance right now, but has it always been so? Or you've ever been employed as a photographer as well? Or not? Um, it's it's so it's mostly freelance. It's always been freelance. Um, I work as part of an agency for a couple events a year. Most of it's for the Formula One stuff. Um, I work for James Moy when I'm shooting the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So he mm -hmm. hires me to help him. Um, cover the 24 hours of Le Mans for Toyota and you know but the rest of it like all the Lamborghini stuff is all freelance there's nothing like I, I enjoy being part of an agency um, working as part of a team it's definitely frustrating sometimes when you know I've been to probably almost 40 F1 races by now and the 
you know, you don't always, as the young guy on the team, you don't always get to go to the cool spots on track or to a cool start shot. You go where they tell you to go. So, you yeah. know, being the youngest or least experienced member of the team, you know, if they need me to go to turn 12 at Circuit of the Americas and shoot a really boring head-on shot where the cars are just single file by that point, you go there because what you're waiting for and, and you know, one day they're going to send me there and there's going to be some insane crash where Lewis Hamilton goes end over end over end. Um, and hopefully I nail it, but in the, <laughs> until then, until then it's really, really boring. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very different mindset when you're working totally by yourself for myself, for my own clients. And then when I join a team doing, stuff where I'm working for somebody else. If they want me to go somewhere, it's my job to say, how long would you like me to stay there? <laughs> yeah. So, so what does your business consist of? Like those Lamborghini vans you said, it's like some of those work for, for the agencies, the F1 or whatever. So what, what else do you, you normally know, do? Um, I work in Charlotte um, in my hometown for a magazine. Um, it's not motorsport related at all. Uh, I have a copy actually right here. It's called QC exclusive and you know, I'm shooting food and drinks and um, landscapes like I'm doing, you know, portraits of people. Uh -huh. um, and, and they, you know, they've become very good friends of mine, the, the two publishers of the magazine. Um, but it's also a magazine that I really believe in. So I will do pretty much anything they ask me to do from food photography to just portraits or landscape stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, during the, like I said earlier, during the coronavirus stuff, I've been working for a landscape architect. Oh. So as a freelance photographer, there's not a lot that I'm willing, I'm not willing to shoot. If it, if it has a paycheck attached to it, I'm, I'll figure it out. Um, yeah, horse racing photography, when that comes <laughs> around, I, I have dipped my toes into that. Um, you know, it, it, that's just part of, part of business, but also being in business for yourself and being in business for, you know, as a photographer is you have to be pretty much able to figure it out um, and shoot a lot of different things. I'm not going to put any of this stuff on my website. Like, you know, really no. none of it is, is worth you know, my Instagram following doesn't care about, you know, the horse racing photography, even though I love it. And I think some of the pictures that I've done in horse racing are some of my best pictures ever that they don't care. And that's, you know, it's just, you have to pick and choose what people see. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I shoot that never ever sees the light of day on the internet. It's just, it's just a paycheck. And, and I'm the guy that knows how to work a nice camera. <laughs> Uh, okay, so do you think a photographer can be successful today? I mean, business-wise, just by taking good photos, or, or does it take much more, like being good in business, marketer, whatever? Um, I think you have to have both. You really do. There's a lot of guys that have, you know, have a very beautiful portfolio, um, but if they just don't have the ability to put themselves in front of a client, also be professional, um, be personable, you have to be able to talk to people. Um, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, I'm, you're amazing in that you speak multiple languages, 
I do not. I speak very broken Spanish if I have to. Um, you know, I can I can kind of curse at the Lamar security guards in French if I really have to. Um, but you know, it it helps to be very well rounded as a person. And you know, if you're if you're working for clients that are based all over the world. Um, you know, you have to be able to, to relate to them somehow because they want to keep, you have to be, you have to be the guy that they call again and again and again and again and again. Right. And it's not just because of your pretty pictures. There's also the personality side to it as well. So yeah, I think you really do need, you have to be able to take a pretty picture, but you also have to be able to know how to market yourself, know how to put yourself in front of clients. Um, there's there's just many many sides to this business that are very challenging and not everybody yeah. has that ability sure i guess my my check language is not that useful uh out of czech republic <laughs> so uh so yeah so there is no other choice than to uh to learn something unfortunately yeah. but i mean and i don't and i don't shoot anything at all in the czech republic so uh, the only thing I shoot in Czech Republic is Moto GP, which is in which is in Brno, but it's just because it is in here, and Monster is the main sponsor of, of that yeah. event, so right. it doesn't really matter if it was uh, anywhere else. I would I would right. go and shoot it. So, but but yeah, speaking about that, it's just like I've I've never actually shot anything in Czech Republic, or like I've I've, I've never uh, I've not started with like you know local local market and then move somewhere so and i can feel it right now that uh when i can't travel that it probably could have been good if i was a little bit more involved in here but uh yeah i mean because i i have some contacts but probably don't uh don't have that many of them in here right and and on the other hand it goes even through like I even like talk to talk to people because obviously like the market is not as bigger outside of the Czech Republic and and also like the rate that they would pay for the photos. So it's like I even got to the point of people people told me like you'd like to take photos for us, but we just didn't want to even contact you because we 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 knew that you would not do it or it would, it would be too expensive or like you know. So, <laughs> and it's not even true, but right. But, yeah, I I always respond to that. Like when somebody says that, I'm like, well, ask me, and if I say no, I say no. But I might not say no, no because if, you know I've got a I've got a family, I've got a house, I've got you know I want to save for retirement one day. Like I will shoot anything. <laughs> uh, so what do you do to build your brand? Um. <clears throat> A lot of it has just come from social media, and I think we're very lucky in that in this modern, you know, day and age, we can put our images online and and have them be seen by thousands of people, in, instantly. Whereas, you know, twenty, thirty years, forty, fifty years ago, when people were trying to make a name as photographers, you know, there's there's two sides of it. Like people paid more for photography back then. But at the same time, it was also harder to get your images in print because there just wasn't that many print publications willing to run your images. So now you can you can go take pictures and, and market yourself as a photographer um, and and have it be seen by thousands if 
if you really wanted it to be. And I think that's really where I've been somewhat successful is I was one of the first motorsport photographers to be on Instagram. And now there's many, 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 many more with many more followers than I have. Um, but, you know, back when Instagram kind of started and it was mostly purists about saying like, you know, you shouldn't put DSLR picture, it should be iPhone only or smartphone yeah. only. Um, it was kind of ridiculous. It's like, you know what? Photography is photography, no matter what you took it on. So I've, I've really used social media to try and leverage my brand. Um, it's been very useful just getting new clients, uh, keeping other clients happy, um, you know, because for their sponsors, a lot of my teams that I work with, they just want to be seen by the most number of people. And if I have a, a pretty large following and I share their pictures and tag them, that makes them happy. So social media is definitely not just a, a tool for, you know, sharing pictures and like, oh, this is pretty. It's a business tool as well. And um, yeah. from that, I can, I've started to sell prints of some stuff and just kind of keep the ball rolling. Um, but it's, it's very challenging. There's not, you know, there's only so much you can do. And I have a, a one-year-old son at home and a lot of my time that I've been spent you know, would have been spent on the road now traveling. I'm now spending at home with him just as a stay at home dad, just, you know, enjoying life with him, watching him grow up. But there's a lot of things that I would like to do um, to continue to market my business. It's, it's challenging because you can't do it all. So you kind of have to pick the things that are most important that I think will, will benefit me and my business in the long run. Yeah, uh, definitely like social media, has helped me a lot, like from the beginning, for sure. Like it was like back in like 2011, like even Facebook was really big thing. Like yeah. organically, it was like you you would tag anyone, and 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 the best thing is like then you post something, and then it it can get like quickly to the right people as well. Like and even to the athletes themselves or the teams, or you know. So yep. normally, like even like. I don't even compare it to 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 like thirty years ago or whatever, but it's like even like like few years ago, if you could have emailed it to them or whatever, it's like they would not probably read it or reply it or no. don't even, like you know they would not even open it. But in here, if they instantly see it and it just like you know shows up and then they see the photo is good, uh, and you, you can get their attention. So it's really yeah, I'm really grateful for for this and it it has helped me a lot and. Uh, and I'm trying to do as much as I can. And probably was, I'm not sure if late, but a little bit late with Instagram. I don't know, it's like I started years ago, but it's like when it when it started, I was like, oh, okay, why, why, why would people put the same thing, like what they put on Facebook <laughs> to Instagram and you know, the other way around. But then, uh, especially when, when, uh, when they were, organical like views it went down, then even if you put the same thing there and there, it's like, and even if the followers are exactly the same, different people see it. So it makes sense now, but like probably I started like maybe hot, maybe like a year after I should have. And, and from the beginning, I was only putting uh, exactly like photos from phone, I guess, like a few of my, few of my first pictures when I scroll <laughs> like down. So it was not, it was not like motorsport, but it was more, it was more, more like just that. But yeah, it's the same. I, I'm I'm terrified to scroll too far back through my feed because I'd be like, what was I thinking? This is, this is crap. <laughs> no, no wonder I didn't have any followers. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and it's it's going to be the same with with, with TikTok, I guess. But yeah, uh, it's like from the beginning, it's like, uh, why why should I be there and do something or whatever? Like, but it, it can get to to the point that like more people will will use it, and you don't need to put there like just silly dancing videos, I guess. But <laughs> I've just I've just written this yeah. article for like a month ago and just put like behind the scenes video from the shootings and, and the title like some like how I how I shoot things. And I and this is actually the first time I've mentioned it somewhere because I wanted to find out how it works and not to mention it like on Instagram and get people from Instagram to follow me there, but just wanted like from from zero to, to try to understand and to see how it how it works and which I don't really understand because I would get like 200,000 views on one video and then 200 on the other one. So I know. <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, it's just about to be there, be there now and not to be too late yeah. and just to try to build it up a little bit if it gets like bigger. And especially now during the coronavirus, like people are just bored. So they would, so they would, uh, they would go there and you can see it. it's just, and especially in here, I mean, everything it's lighter than in the US, the same with Instagram and everything. So then in Europe or yeah. like, especially Czech Republic, it just comes later. So yeah, let's see. Uh, so is there anything else, uh, except social media that you do uh, for like your own promotion or, or not really? Um, I mean, I do. I do kind of what you were just talking about, like behind the scenes videos, like the, the frames, um, blogs, video blogs that I do, mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard. Like it's frustrating. Like you just said, like sometimes you'll get crazy views and then you won't get any views on others. And it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's frustrating. Um, but I have found that, you know, people are very interested in, in what we do and how we do it. Um, yeah. it's kind of cool to, to be able to show what we do when we can do it, when we can show that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't really delved too deep into contests, um, but there's a lot of ways that I should be promoting myself, but it takes, you know, it just takes so much time to, to put all this stuff together in a quality way that I just don't end up having time to do it. And, you know, we're on, we're on a bike ride instead of working or, um, yeah, just spending time with family. So, so do you actually yeah, have clients approaching you? Do you have clients approaching you for Instagram or something? Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. time. Okay, cool. Uh, so, how, and how do you usually approach approach new new clients? Or do you just write to? You, I mean, it's it's cool at what what you said at the beginning that you shot the first first race when Kimi was going there, you just wrote someone because it's, yeah. it's like what I've learned, like you, you never know, you can just try it. You, you, you're not going to lose anything. So, well, yeah, the worst, I mean, the, the old saying is the worst that they could say is no. And, no. um, you know, sending, sending a random email can be the best thing you ever did. And, um, or it could, it could literally just be like five seconds of wasted time. That that's the worst that's going to happen. No. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of the stuff. So currently where my, my, my business and my, um, reputation has landed me is that it's more built around personal relationships that I've developed at the racetrack through drivers or friends, uh, teams, mm -hmm. people, um, they'll, you know, just 
having been around and just being part of the furniture, as they say, you know, I've been around sports car racing now for all about eight years in some level. Um, so being, uh Oh, hang on. We got, we got a crying baby. Um, <laughs> but being just being around sports cars is just, just being at the track, being at these races, it, it does mean that you just put yourself in front of different people and people that might be hiring you. So oftentimes I will, I will literally just, you know, be approached by somebody at the track and they'll say, Hey, we need pictures of, of this. Um, or somebody will introduce me to, to somebody and they need pictures of fire suits. Like, you know, there's a, a new company that I've been working with that makes t-shirts for some of these race teams. And he, he like literally just sent me a text out of, you know, completely out of the blue during one of these race weekends this year and said, Hey, you know, got your number from so-and-so. Uh, if you see any of these mechanics wandering around, we need some pictures. Um, here's our budget, you know, feel free to, to email me or call me. And it's just like completely out of the blue. I have no idea, you know, how, how they got my name, but, um, it's, it's yeah. just stuff like that, that you never really know. And do you, do you think, from what you experience, is it? Do you think if you compare US to, to the rest of the world, is it is it better? Can you make more money by photography in the US, or are the conditions better? And because like I'm just talking about like when I when I think about like Czech Republic, and and I even like run few few lawsuits in here is about photography, and it's just been. Uh, I guess like I would not be able to to make a living out of photography in here, and and it's not only about like the lack of events that are in here, but also about like the mindset about photography and intellectual property in in general. So and I guess it's 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 better in the US, and it's from when it comes like yeah. to, to even the conditions like the money wise. Yeah, it's um. I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is that I think that there's a lot of competition in the U.S., yeah. but we also have a lot of different racing series. Like, you know, the United States is a massive place. It's essentially like thinking of Europe, and you have Europe has all these different national series. Um, and and you know, I don't necessarily think of you know my home state as having you know a good or bad photography economy but as the united states as a whole it's great because there's indycar nascar um imsa there's you know pirelli world challenge there's various club level races um and everything in between so there's just a lot happening which is great for a photographer because you know there is competition but there's also not that many people that have a global presence of doing a lot of different stuff. There's there's maybe a handful of us that are doing these kind of races all over the world um, on a yearly basis. So, you know, I think it's I I do feel feel very fortunate that you know there's a lot of opportunities to to make money as a photographer in the U.S. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's but it's it's tough. There's just you know, every year that goes by, I just rely more and more on the people that I know personally um, to, you know, they they decide that they want to go start another race team or go run the Nürburgring 24 hours. You know, there's been a lot of my clients that 
are talking about things that they wanted to do. And hopefully that those, those things are still going to happen um, with a very different economy. But yeah, it's, it just takes, it just takes being around. Um, but I do feel the, the U S is, is a good place to work. Okay. Uh, is there any, is there any advice that you've ever, ever received from, from anyone like that helped you in your career or, and, and is there any, any advice that you would, you would now give to someone like, depend on what you've experienced probably. I'm, I mean like something that you probably would have done in a different way. Uh, I don't mean regretting something, but just what could have moved um, you like so, in a business in, in a different way, faster. You don't come home from a shoot dirty, bruised, sore and tired. You really haven't done your job. So that's basically the best advice I've been given as a photographer that, you know, you have to put yourself into this 100% physically um, to try as hard, you know, to find new angles, different perspectives. But as a business, you know, there's so many different things that I've done wrong over the years. Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is you really just can't say no to anything. If you're trying to build yourself and build your brand, you can't say no to anything. Um, and, and just, you never know where an opportunity might lead you and, and what might come from that. So, you know, I've always tried to be a yes man when it comes to different opportunities. Um, you know, like just, you know, even if it's a small event, um, you never know who you're going to meet from that event. And I think that's probably, you know, the best thing that I've been told and, and really tried to remember, even though, you know, some events aren't glamorous, they're not pretty, they're not fun, they may not even pay that well. But if I can kind of justify that maybe this might be a good thing for my career, or I'm going to meet somebody unique or special or something, somebody that's done something cool, it, it is beneficial to, to try and be a yes man. What is the best thing that photography has given you? And, and on the other hand, if there's anything that has taken from you? Uh, it's given me a lot. Like, you know, there's I, my, my parents and my mom, especially, um, you know, grew up loving to travel and photography has given me the ability to travel the world and see places that I never would have gone in my life. And there's no reason that I would have gone there for, for anything. And meeting, meeting new people, meeting people from all over the world, different cultures. Um, you know, there was actually like a, a really interesting moment that I had last year at the Nürburgring 24 hour. And a, a friend of mine who, um, his name is Marius Hecker and he's German. And my grandfather was a World War II um, U.S. Army soldier. So he was wounded um, by stepping on a German landmine in 1945, in January 1945, in Germany. And it was actually where he was wounded was very, very close to um, the, the Eiffel Mountains where the Nürburgring is. And so I was, we were driving to the Nürburgring and we got talking about our families and 
um, it turns out my friend's grandfather was a German soldier fighting in World War II around the same time. And it's just, it's amazing how, you know, travel and, and you know, several many decades of, of time kind of separate my grandfather from myself. You know, he was, he was always very proud of me and what, what I did for a living. Um, but, you know, we live in such a completely different world. Like, I'm 10 years older than he was when he was, when he shipped off to Germany to fight in World War II and, and was wounded um, in battle. And, you know, I can't even think about what that was like as a, as a young kid. But it's, you know, photography is giving me the ability to travel the world and see these places that he saw, but from a very, very different perspective. Um, but then likewise, photography has also taken away a lot of, of my personal life. You know, people just don't understand how challenging it is to travel every single week, be on airplanes, be in hotels, be away from home, be away from your family. Um, you know, I've missed birthdays, I've missed funerals, I've missed friends' weddings. Um, you know, I've missed my son taking his first, like, crawling steps. Um, so, you know, it, it's really, really hard emotionally to be gone that much. And so I've definitely missed a lot of personal stuff, personal life. Um, it's hard when my wife is always like saying, hey, we're gonna maybe get together with these friends this weekend, can you do it? And I'm like, I, I'm going to France or I'm going to Italy or I'm going to, no. you know, Ohio or somewhere like, it's not even all glamorous and sexy stuff. It's like, I've got to go to, you know, upstate Virginia. Um, yeah. So it's hard, you do lose a lot of that, that personal life but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I love what I do. I love car racing. I love, you know, meeting people and, and seeing these amazing events from behind the camera. Sure. Yeah. That's probably pretty much the same for me, what you just said. It's like traveling the world, meeting people, but on the other hand, you lose in time, like being at home, which, which we can get right now. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're getting lots of it right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, so thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks thank you. This was it's awesome. It's a pleasure. So, hope, hope to hopefully meet you soon somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully hope. this year. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Cool. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. MCH Photography Podcast.